passengers, aloha and welcome. As you board, please move across your car to make room for everyone and kindly offer available seating to those needing special assistance. The show will begin momentarily. Thank you. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. Welcome to Dave's Disney View podcast. Provided on our own version of the information highway in the sky. For those of you standing, please hold on to the handrails throughout our journey and stay clear of the doors. For the comfort of others, no smoking please. Thank you. Dave's Disney View is a look at the Walt Disney World Resort and sometimes beyond, as seen through the eyes of Dave, a frequent visitor, a one-time cast member, and an engineer who simply enjoys the magic and wonder of it all. Now, please keep your party together and put on your virtual mouse ears. And by all means, enjoy the show. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. Well, I'm on location again today, but to quote from Monty Python and the Flying Circus, and now for something completely different. I'm actually at the Legoland Resort in uh, Florida, and I don't know how many of you are familiar with the lay of the land here and what Legoland did, but the Lego company decided to open a theme park uh, down in uh, Winter Haven, Florida, and that's actually about uh, 40 miles southwest of uh, the Walt Disney World Complex, so you have to drive a little bit to get here, but uh, they opened the park up um, earlier this year. And uh, before the park opened, they came along with an idea. They partnered up with AAA, and they offered a special. If you buy one adult annual pass, you get a child's annual pass free. Now, that's a pretty good deal, considering the annual pass is really not much more expensive than a one-day pass. It's really less than two days. So it's a pretty good value, especially considering they threw the child's pass in with it. So uh, I wanted to scoop up that opportunity and take advantage of it and come and check out the park. Now, the park is actually located where Cypress Gardens used to be. And uh, Cypress Gardens is a uh, beautiful botanical garden that used to be here. And they had uh, some water skiing shows and different things that they did. And back in the early 60s and into the 70s, it was uh, kind of a fun place to go to get this kitschy nature of uh, these water skiing shows and all this fun stuff. And even when I was uh, coming up to Disney World back in the um, late 1970s, they were still advertising it as a place to come and really enjoy the spectacle of the water skiing show kind of died off and the park kind of fell into disrepair for some period of time before the Lego company came and actually purchased it and decided to turn it into a theme park. So we're making a trip up here. We've got a couple of days in the park. Wanted to check it out, give you some feedback about it, and tell you what I think. Now to kind of round out the story, it turned out that a friend of ours, uh, who we hadn't seen in a number of years, uh, was traveling to Orlando from another country uh, for a conference. So it worked out kind of well that we were able to see them and kind of time it up so we could spend a little time with them as well, kind of outside of the park. So we did some other things for a couple of days just around Orlando. We went around and saw some different things. We did a little shopping um, because they're from out of the country. And typically when people come in, they like to shop, and that's all good. So we did a little shopping with them. We went around. We saw some different things, did a little miniature golfing, of course. Uh, Went around to the Orlando Science Center, which is always a hoot, uh, just a fun place to go. And uh, then kind of came back to Legoland. And Legoland is really kind of fun. My kids range in age, uh, so my younger ones really like, are really enjoying themselves, having a great time just tooling around and doing different things and uh, playing and enjoying the experience. My older son, he's 12, 
and he's right at that upper edge of where the uh, fun kind of ends or starts. So you don't have as he does, he's not having quite the experience that the younger ones have. But I'm not saying he's having a bad time. It's just sort of a, a time thing, right? When you're the right age, you fit into it. But it's really clever. The whole park is themed up in Legos. You see Legos everywhere. Everything's built of Legos. It's just very, very clever and very cute. And for the younger set, I can see why they love it and why they enjoy it. It's really a lot of fun. And there's a lot of fun things to do. You can do some building. You can The adults can take part in a lot of the activities as well. And uh, the mini city area, that is just incredible. The cities that they built there out of Legos are just absolutely fantastic. Just amazing. It's interesting, though, when you look around and you see different things that are happening and you realize that it's not quite the same as, uh, as Disney in so many ways. And you can't come into it with the expectation that it's going to be Disney because it's not. It's a completely different thing. It's somewhere between, you know, small-time amusement park and uh, somewhere around, you know, theme park. It's, it's really kind of fun and entertaining, and you have to kind of take it as that. You can't come into it expecting too much. And because of the drive, you have to kind of realize that, you know, getting here is a little bit of a haul, a little bit of a hassle. It's okay, and there's nothing wrong with that, especially if you have a car. If you don't, they offer some shuttle services that pick you up from around uh, one of the premium outlet malls. You can check around and find out exactly where, but you can get down here, and it's, it's okay. Um, you know, nothing wrong with that. It's just you know, a, little bit of a, a little bit of a hassle, and if you're expecting Disney and you don't get it, uh, that's okay, too. Uh, that's just the way it works out. But it's still, it's still really a lot of fun. You, know, you can just kind of come in, hang out, and uh, just do some, some fun things. Everything's bright and colorful and cheery, and the, the people that are working here are really, very nice, and everyone's, everyone's got a lot of personality. Um, one thing I've noticed is there's a lot of locals here. Um, maybe it's the time of year because it's spring break this year, and uh, we see a lot of locals. But that's okay. That's, uh, that's par for the course. You expect that to a degree, um, especially given how far away it is from, from uh, Walt Disney World. But it is really kind of, kind of fun. You know, you notice some minor little things. You know, you can't, can't compare it to Disney, but you notice some things. Disney takes safety as, like, priority one. And you see some of the way they load rides and they do things. and they, They're doing things that really probably, you know, aren't the best, most effective ways to do them. And if you think about it from a Disney perspective, you go, wow, why would they do that? But it, it works, you know, and they get the job done, and that's pretty cool. Um, it's, actually, it's actually pretty entertaining. There are a fair number of things to do. My kids really enjoyed the roller coasters, and uh, they call them pink, pink knuckle thrill rides, which is sort of a, a knock, a little play on the words, so it's not really white knuckle, but uh, it's certainly more than uh, nothing. It's, it's not just a, an amusement park type ride. There's a lot of things going on, a lot of movement happening, and uh, you know they're not in the order of the uh, rock and roller coaster or anything, but they're, they're fun, and the kids really did enjoy kind of having that quick movement. For a seven-year-old or so, that's just like the ultimate, because it feels like it's, it's moving and it feels like it's really great. For one that's a little older, it's a little slow moving, but it's still fast enough where they get something out of it. So I got to tell you, that was uh, that was pretty worthwhile. It made it kind of fun because everything is geared toward the younger set. In fact, even in the queues, they have special sections set up where the kids can go off and wait and play with Legos or Duplos while the parents are in line. And then when the parents get to the end of the line, they can open up the gate and let the kids in. It's really clever. I really like that idea. So that way it feels a little interactive and the kids can be playing and having fun don't have to wait in the queue because the queues themselves are just not that well themed and they don't really do anything but that's fine because they're making they're keeping the kids entertained anyway um they really you know i really do enjoy it uh, a couple of tips for you if you're going to come here uh one would be if you're going to if you want to take advantage of some of the activities that they have for the older kids you need to go to the back part of the park and go to the imagination section and sign up your kids early in the day those sections those things do tend to fill up particularly on busy days so you want to make sure you sign up early so that your kids have a chance to get involved in it uh, so you want to do that early. Also, if you're going to come to the back part of the park first, 
you get shorter wait times. Not that the wait times are anything great. I don't think we waited any more than about 30 minutes for anything, for even the most popular rides. But uh, you want to go back to the back part of the park first and have the shorter wait times in the back. And then work your way forward because everybody kind of works in first and then works their way back. There's a few um, bigger thrill rides in the back part of the uh, park, so you want to head back there first. Hit the shows later in the day is always a good idea. Uh, interestingly, the, um, the actual park is just right along uh, a, a road there. So you can actually see it as you're sitting on, I think it's County Road 540, you can actually see the park out there. So as you're sitting out there, you see it, and you can be there. Across the street is a Publix. So if you have the ability to uh, to go into Publix and just buy a couple of things and bring them in with you, sandwich, bread, peanut butter, something like that, you can bring it into the park with you and have a little snack while you're in the park rather than having to pay the park prices for food. The park is only open from 9 to 6, a little bit earlier some days. opens a little bit later on some days, but that's approximate. Um, when it's not peak times, like spring break or other times of year, um, the park does close a couple of days of the year, so you want to check on the uh, park hours before you come down here because it's it's a bit of a haul. If you make it here and you find out the park's closed, you'll feel like you're in that scene from the uh, uh, National Lampoon's Vacation. Uh, sorry, folks, park's closed. Moose outside should have told you. It just feels kind of like that. So uh, make sure that you're coming on the right day. And you can hear the coaster Saurus in the background behind me. That's a pretty entertaining wooden roller coaster that's here. So uh, that's that's kind of fun. One other thing that I've noticed as you're going along, you see a lot of the rides, while some of them are on cleverly on tracks, there's uh, at least a couple of them that are not really on tracks. There's the uh, driving school and the boating school that aren't on tracks at all. It's in a course, so you still have to stay within a confined area, but you can kind of free roam within that course, and you can even go backwards and kind of go around and go the wrong direction and stuff like that. It's kind of interesting that it works out like that, uh, because there aren't many things at Disney that do that, but uh, it makes it kind of fun, a little bit unique in that sense where they do something different. Now, the one thing I can say is that the gardens themselves are beautiful. They're just restored to a really nice condition. I guess they brought in several horticulturalists to uh, look at the vegetation that was here, clean it out, make sure that they brought in the right stuff, left the right things, took out some things that didn't belong. And it really is worth spending some time back in here to see it. If you're at all into the garden scene or anything botanical, it's, it's absolutely worth a little bit of time. This is what Cypress Gardens really was, other than the water ski show. Um, you see all kinds of beautiful things. There's this enormous, wonderful banyan tree that's there, some gazebos, some just beautiful lawns and everything. It's just well worth spending a little time back here just because it's just it's incredible. It's really amazing what they were able to do to bring it back to this beauty that it once had and uh, have that same feeling uh, again. It's really remarkable, and it, uh, it really does have a certain charm to it, a very nice feeling that uh, makes you feel good about things. Plus, they've added in a few Legos here and there that just make it remind you where you are. You know, for my money, there's nothing quite like sitting under the under a shade of a tree, relaxing and just enjoying the fresh air and listening to the wind rustle through the leaves, the ducks move, make sounds and so forth. Really, nothing like it. You don't believe it? Just watch the world go by. It's worthwhile. It's it's amazing just to sit and relax and smell the roses. Take time to smell the roses. <laughs> sit under the shade of a tree and watch the world go by. So here in the entrance area of Legoland, they have a uh, musical score playing, and it's very much in the style of the Paragon Ragtime Orchestra that you hear at the Magic Kingdom. 
And uh, in fact, I think a couple of the um, orchestrations are the same, might even be the same songs. It's kind of funny to, to listen to it because you kind of get that same feeling that's evoked, uh, evoked from it when you're walking in the Magic Kingdom, but it's a little different. I mean, the whole theming is different and everything, but you do get that feel. One observation about the people who are working at the Legoland Park, uh, I guess you wouldn't call them cast members, but they would be the equivalent of that. You know, there is no central casting, no grand theme that they're trying to get around. So it's really just people who are working there. They seem very nice. Don't get me wrong. They're very nice people um, working very hard. Just a sort of a different experience, that's all. Some of them may be former cast members. Can't really tell. It's close enough where maybe some people have uh, drive down there. But certainly um, they have the right attitudes about everything. But what I was going to get at was the fact that they all wear pretty much the same costumes. I think there's really only two costumes that I saw. It was like a red shirt with blue pants or a green shirt with blue pants. And those designated like different areas that they were in. And then, of course, they had park rangers and medics and uniformed police officers walking throughout the park. Very interesting the way they did that. So these uh, people who were in the red costumes, I kept seeing them at different attractions throughout the couple of days we were there. So they were rotating around. And I'm assuming, because they're only open certain days of the week for part of the year, and there's a limited number of tra attractions that they have a limited number of employees as well, so they kind of cross-train them to do different things. And then at the end of the day, I would see them doing trash and other duties around the park, which is really kind of interesting. So they had a little bit of wide responsibility. Now, to kind of keep pace with Disney in the sense, they don't do pin trading, of course, but they do a, uh, it's a minifigure trading. You can go in and you can purchase a minifigure, and then you can walk around the park and find people who are wearing the minifigures on their costumes, and you can trade for the uh, minifigure that's there. So kind of interesting the way they do that, and it's sort of a similar thing. Though I didn't think it was quite as interesting. I talked to a couple of people, including the uh, police officers I saw, and they were saying that they were, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who were trading and very interested in doing the trading to pick up those minifigures because some of them were limited edition things and so forth. And they're really just the le Lego figures, you know, the little Lego people that you see. So that's what you were trading for. And I guess there's a certain value to that, but it didn't have the wide variety of appeal that, say, a uh, pin trading does. So the obvious question is, is it worth the price of admission? And I would say yes. If you have children that are somewhere between the ages of 3 and, say, 10, I would say definitely. Worth the price of admission, a lot of fun. Don't expect Disney, but expect a really fun time. The rides are interactive. The shows are kind of fun. There's a lot of interactivity throughout the park where there's different things the kids can do to kind of get engaged in some way, whether it's the play areas or the bounce houses or even the family restrooms, which are great, because I could take my daughter in no problem and be able to use the restroom with her. And they do have some rides and shows that are very appropriate for the young kids, a few that are appropriate for the middle group, uh, and those are the ones that are the more fun pink knuckle coasters. And then they have the, uh, the ones that are more available to older, a little bit older group and even into the adults. So you have some things that are kind of fun for the adults to do as well. And then the second question is, will I go back? Yeah, I have the annual pass. My wife and I talked about it, and we're definitely going to go back later this year, and maybe early next year, too, to get the maximum value out of it. But one thing I'll tell you, very much like Disney, being in the central part of the state, it can get very, very hot there. We were there in March, and there was a couple of warmer days. I wouldn't say it was hot by any stretch. The temperature was only soaring up into the low 80s, and it was really, really hot. And I can only imagine that during the summer, it's probably extremely uncomfortable. Now, Disney, having been open for a long time, has some strategies for, to deal with the hottest days, a lot of places where you can step into that are air-conditioned, a lot of different rides and shows that are indoors and different things like that. Legoland, not so much. So I imagine that during the hottest days of summer, it's going to be basically unbearable. But I, they'll probably figure this out over time and start to figure out different ways to minimize the heat and, and probably find ways to make their customers a little bit happier. So if you're going there, you'll have a good time. 
Now, that's not to say it's not a good time, but just be aware that it can get really hot there, and it may be a, may be a problem for you. I was surprised at the variety of activities and things there were to do. We were there for about two and a half days in total, and we saw pretty much all the attractions that were there. We saw a couple of shows, and we missed a couple of things along the way. So, you know, there's, I guess you could make the case that it could take, you know, if you want to see everything and spend your time and take it in, it could take as much as three days to get through it. Now, if you're going to race through the park and just hit the attractions and the big thrill rides, then certainly you could do that in a day. But kind of take it in. Let your kids determine the pace and enjoy themselves and kind of walk around and really explore it all. Because there's all these different play areas for kids. It's a lot of fun, and you can just kind of relax while they're playing a little bit. So that's my advice to you. This time we decided to stay at the Sheridan Lake Buena Vista Resort. And that's primarily because we got a good rate through Priceline, and it worked out pretty well. Now, the interesting thing is, this used to be the Sheridan Safari Hotel. It's right on the edge of right on the edge of State Road 535 and uh, Resort Plaza Boulevard. So just down the street from where the crossroads is. Stayed in this hotel a few times in the past, and it's been really nice. Really enjoyed it when it was the Safari Hotel. Nice place. Everything's nice about it. Sheridan does a nice job of keeping it up. But for some reason, they decided to change it into a resort instead of a hotel. And I thought that was a little bit odd. A couple of minor things that kind of bug me about that. Number one is they can now charge a resort fee, which is, you know, like $10 a day in addition to the, the rate on the room. And they can also charge for parking. It used to be free parking and it was ample, and now it's a little bit more complicated to park there and it's 10 bucks. You know, it's, it's little things like that. And then we go to the room and we find out that uh, Wi-Fi is another 10 bucks a day. And, you know, things like that. And it just kind of adds up. And it feels like you're being nickel and dimed to some degree. And it was essentially the same hotel it was in the past. I know it's been upgraded and they've done some other things. It just kind of struck me that it was a little bit, little bit strange. And it kind of got me to thinking about the whole idea of resort hotels. Because many of the hotels that are there along uh, the resort uh, boulevard there are all um, these types of resorts where you have to pay the fee and you pay for parking and everything. And I, I get that. It just always kind of strikes me as kind of strange that they do that. And it kind of brings me around to the whole idea of the DVC, because as we were walking through downtown Disney, we got... Because we stopped at the DVC uh, club uh, kiosk that they have there, because we were looking for pins, and we wound up talking to the lady, and she was trying to explain the merits of getting a you know Disney Vacation Club property. And I know I've talked about this on previous podcasts, that I'm not a huge fan of these... Uh, timeshares. And that's essentially what DVC is. And it's one of those things where for me, I just don't see the value in purchasing it and spending that much money to have an assigned week every year to come to the same property. I prefer to have my money spent a little bit differently and enjoy my vacations as I want to have them. And I know you can do some swapping and some changing and whatever, and you're using the points and it just, it just doesn't sit with me the right way. And it kind of goes along with that whole thing about, you know, having to spend the extra money. I want to be able to stay in a hotel. I know how much I'm spending. I know how long I'm staying. I know what I'm going to do, and I can do it when I feel like doing it. And I don't have to be nickeled and dimed, and I don't have to feel like I'm having to pay maintenance fees and whatever. Yes, I know. You get ownership out of it, out of the DVC. But, you know, I, I always think of the ownership as a little bit in a gray area for me. But that's just my personal opinion. You know, for some people it works out great, and we'll have to explore DVC properties in more detail, maybe with somebody who's more knowledgeable than me, to understand it just a little bit more. Uh, so that's that's my take on it. Just an interesting side note, you know, about how the uh, property changed there for the Sheridan and uh, what that meant to me. Well, and that is my podcast for this week. I've given you an overview of what Legoland is and what it's all about, and I hope you enjoy it and go check it out on your own. And please, by all means, do go and check out my Hidden Mickey's app. should be a lot of fun, and I hope you enjoy it. 
And that's it for this week. And remember, if we can dream it, we really can do it. Bye now. From all of us, thanks for taking a listen to the podcast today. If you're standing, please hold on to the handrails and stay clear of the doors until the show stops completely and the doors open. Ladies and gentlemen, please collect your personal belongings, watch your head and step, and take small children by the hand. As this concludes our journey, we hope that you enjoyed the show and that you drive home safely. Our thanks go to Doug at geekacres.net for his contributions to the show. And also to Craig for the original music you hear on the show. You can find Craig's music over at ReverbNation.com slash sound a if you have questions comments or thoughts about the show please feel free to contact dave at davesdisneyview at gmail.com show notes and links to other great content on the web can be found at disneypodcast.net now i will raise the safety bar and a podcaster will follow you home ha <laughs> ha